Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Life is full of what ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello. Hi. What were you just singing? I was singing Ariana Grande because I was on TikTok and I saw a video of Bad Bunny doing carpool karaoke. Oh, I did saying, see that too. Yeah, that he's like, I listen to a lot of English music, but I don't always know all of the words. But like, there is one song that I know by heart. Mm-hmm. And then started singing and I enjoyed I it. I don't say just started singing. He broke out in song. It was giving big theater kid energy. Yes, like, it was. I, it, I was like, the okay, hand movement. into the woods we go. <laughs> like, it was like, okay, maybe Bad Bunny is our next, one of our next EGOTs. Maybe. He's very sexy. I mean, here's the thing. I like know my place when it comes to Bad Bunny. Like, I'm so late on the train. I got on the train, what, two years ago? Which was mm-hmm. already late. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. people like love, like just love him so much. And I'm like, you know what? I don't deserve to thirst over him. Like there are people who have put their blood, sweat and tears 
into this man long before I did. And like, I'm not going to be a bandwagon thirster. So I can appreciate the beauty similarly to how I would that of a, a, a sculpture at a museum that I'm like, you know what? I didn't carve this with my own two hands, but I'm not blind. I can see that this is sexy. I'm going to thirst. I, I have no stipulations around who I thirst about. Like when I jumped on the wagon, if I see somebody that makes a part of my body cry, like in a sexual way, then yeah. I'm just going to let it flow. See, for me, I am a Jonas Smith fan. I was a Nick Jonas girly. I am now a Joe girl. But like when people used to just be like, oh my God, Nick Jonas is so hot. I was like, I'm sorry. No, I would get territorial. And as someone who was a part of a fandom, I like to respect the other fandoms and know my place. Okay. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of But Am I Wrong? Starring two people who have not once ever been wrong. It's great to never be wrong. It is. I don't know what the opposite feels like, so I can't speak on it. But yeah, I mean, just this is my norm. So whatever. Yeah, no, this is just I wake up right. I go to sleep right. I vote left. And I <laughs> this is how the life goes. Mm-hmm. It's how it goes. So we are recording virtual again today. If you are watching, which you can watch over on our Patreon and we are thrifty. It is budget. It is affordable. It is a good time. So uh, if you're listening, you're like, I don't need to know that you're recording virtually. But now you do know. So, mm-hmm. well, it's because we had a wonderful update that you heard. On Monday, yes. And then also after that, we had a call with um, our podcast advertising, our podcast, you know, network. Ad company. Yep. Yeah. I was telling Mats about it. And he was just like giving me this look like, those are the things you said on a work call. And I was like, babe, yeah, personality. It, it, it's selling ourselves and we have to be true to who we are. And does anybody know who is better at selling themselves than us? No. And no. We're, we're virtual. We're not even together. We're not even hyping off of each other's in-person energy. Like we were just on fire and we were. And the thing is, I talk to these people. I talk to one of them specifically once a month. They haven't seen this side of me because I have to be professional because it's not just this podcast. There's other podcasts, you know, that I have to go in as producer, Melissa, not as host, Melissa. But this was host, Melissa, coming in hot. I was dying because like I knew that, but I didn't think about it until you said it where they were like, (laughs) it was so great getting to know you. And I was like, yeah, I'm really sorry about that. And then you were like, oh, yeah, you know, seeing a whole other side of me. And I was like, oh, my God, I forgot. <laughs> like, you have those different versions of the same the same you. But like you mm-hmm. have I don't want to call it your girl boss you, but it's like your blazer and high heel you like yeah. corporate getting shit done. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's fucking hilarious that I did not realize that. And also you have all these same meetings with them on Zoom. So it's just like yes. this one time you're in that little corner box and it's just like, Wow, look at her. <laughs> so hopefully that means everyone you'll hear more ads. Yeah, Sorry. hopefully. So we have three segments for this show. And with that comes voting. Yeah, we basically are telling, we're we're pitching things that we're saying, hey, were we wrong in this situation? Then we're reading your emails where we're telling you if you're the hero or the villain. And then finally we're nominating people in pop culture, the zeitgeist, uh, and we're saying, hey, they're wrong. They're the mm-hmm. worst of the week, worst of the month, worst of whatever category you want to give them. And then we include all of you 
by making it so you can also vote. Because, you know, our voices, just because we're the only two on the mic doesn't mean we're the only ones that matter. Well, I am a Leo, so I do think I <laughs> I matter a lot to me personally. Oh but gosh. if you want to vote and see if you agree with us, you disagree with us, there's truly no hard feelings unless, you know, you're like transphobic or uh, racist or just like a bad person. You can head on over to our Instagram stories and read them all first before you start voting. And they'll be in the highlights as well. Only up for 24 hours. I do my best to get them up on Friday, but they are going to be up before Friday through Monday. So you know what that means? You just got to make sure you're following us and checking back. Okay. So should we get into our first segment? I think that's a great idea. Our first segment is But Am I Wrong? Where we each pitch to each other either a hot take a rant or something happening in our own life where we want to know if our actions or our opinion is correct or not. And here's the thing. Like we said, we're never wrong. We're always right. So going into it, there's a little bit of confidence behind it. And I, for this week, chose a, I guess you could call it a combination of a rant and a hot take. And it Mm -hmm. is that blind items are fucked. (laughs) They're morally and ethically absolutely (laughs) fucked. And the idea that they're still incredibly popular, but also used as fact and how people then judge celebrities that they don't know and treat it like they are set in stone. This is definitive. Like this actually happened is absolutely asinine. Like it's just like, you're fucking kidding me. So if anyone doesn't know what blinds are, so the, I don't even know where the term originated from, but like there's this like one that's crazy days and nights. I think that's NT, like and basically someone who like claims to be an entertainment lawyer, which is absolutely hilarious because no, no entertainment lawyer is doing this. And basically they just have a, an email address where people submit anonymous tips about celebrity gossip. And then on Crazy Days and Nights and NT and whatever the other ones are, they will do blind item reveals. So when they're written out, it's so, it's like legitimately so campy. It's so dramatic. It's like, and this A-list star with golden locks, like, did she find her like three bears? Like she's gone, Goldilocks has gone through these three bears. And they'll just do this whole thing. You're like, okay, for sure. And then a couple weeks later, months, month later, whatever, they will do blind item reveals. And then they will post that same thing and be like, oh, it was revealed to be like Giselle Bündchen and something, something. And it's like, <sighs> these things are not, they, they range from being really whatever. They, they Like not super serious, not an ordeal, but they also go to extreme lengths that not only like they out people, they accuse people of being addicts of drugs, alcohol sexual assault and then also the thing that like has been perpetuated so much that I've talked to people who genuinely thought that it was confirmed and reported in legitimate publications and it didn't come from blind items like that's the issue like blind items will snowball and then people will hear them like oh my friend told me that and they think that it's because like oh my friend like you heard it from someone that you know who knows that person and it's like no these were all sort of rumors and these think this thing called yachting where it's escorts. And so they will talk about these women who are famous, who they will factually say are just, they're yacht girls. They've been yachting. 
And then they literally, you go to their Instagram comments and it's just like, oh yeah, yacht girl, yachting, yachting, doing all of it. And I'm like, what the fuck? It's just so royally fucked because there are some things that are obvious that are true. And I'm like, yeah, definitely true. But then if we can look objectively at Reddit, am I the asshole? And be like, this is a troll post. Someone just wrote this. You're fabricating. This is fanfic. Why can't we do that when we look at blind items? Like nobody is submitting these things who actually has true, real intel. Here is the people who are submitting them. And I'm not claiming at all to be in that specific, like people are going to send blind items, like running in a similar circle of those people. But like, this is going to me sound like a blind. Like I've got friends who do. I know people who do like, and I know how this, I know how this shit works. Like I just know how it works. And the people who are submitting blind items are people who are getting their hair done at the salon at the same time as a famous person is. And then they're hearing someone who did that person's hair talk to another hairstylist who then will talk to another person. And they're overhearing bits and pieces and then they're making up a story. Or they're hearing from a friend, a rumor from a friend who lives in Los Angeles, who they assume is a reputable voice and knows that this actually happened and doing all of that shit. But like nobody who has a job in the industry who counts on this for their income, because at this point, like your talent is 50% of it, but your reputation is 50% of it. And if you are known for saying shit behind people's backs, like all of that shit, like you're, you're donezo, like you're just done. And there's been some reports that like some stylists have, like there's been blind items about how certain people have been leaking blind items. And it's just wild to me. Like it's wild to me. Like Dumois is one that I think they do a little bit of a better job of saying, that it's all speculation. And they say that they don't vet their answers. Like they don't, they just post what people send them. And the amount of people on the Dumois subreddit who are like, oh yeah, I just made this thing up and they posted it. Like how funny is that? But they're posting things that aren't super, they're not bad. They're like funny and like clearly outlandish. And it's like, okay, so if you're posting that, which to me, I'm like so clearly fake. There are people who are writing other things who, who, who are not. And the thing about the sexual assault allegations and a lot of people could you could see that and be like oh like believe all women but the issue is is when that is coming up and there's been no formal allegations made and it's just like a rumor about it people then start digging to figure out who which woman said this rumor and then those women who haven't said anything who people are then suspecting that they were the ones who are being talked about in these blind items as being victims of this are then being harassed for not even having made statements it's just a mess. And then you have people defending someone who, sure, they might have, they might have done something that, and then you have people being like, oh my God, stop coming for cancel culture and like all of this shit. And then you're building more ammo of like, oh, look at this. Like, and I don't doubt that there are people who, and I know this, there are lots of people who are fucking creepy. There are lots of people who are assholes and all of that shit. And they should be called out without a doubt. But blind items are not a reputable thing and the fact that we're treating them as such it makes me like ridiculously annoyed because just because some things are true doesn't mean they all are and yeah. it's problematic as fuck yeah I, I was just looking up that the term blind item came from um this man named william de anton Mann, who 
was a publisher of Town Topics who often used it as blackmail to get over on people. Town Topics was a like socialite magazine in New York. So I, I'm guessing kind of like... The Post? No. Page Six? Page Six, that's what I'm thinking I think page of. Six so, is like, the Post. Oh, is it? Okay. I think it's well, page six of the New York Post. Gotcha. So that's what, <laughs> so I think like that was like a predecessor to that. And that was in 1839. So like it goes back, but I, I just think it's wild that people care that much. One, like the, they sit up and make up stories, but two, there are uh, people that I know who have had blind items like in Dumois, which are they were just off the wall, random blind items about people that they didn't even know. And so it's just wild. It's just like, why do people care? It's fan fiction. It, it literally is fan fiction. And like, I've submitted one thing to Dumois. It got on there. We had a conversation. It was like, haha, funny, whatever. But like the things that are real and the things that are like legitimate are the things like what I sent where it's, Mm-hmm. not mean it's not anything it's not like scandalous it's mostly about me and involving some someone else but like there's no privacy being breached like there is no personal information there is no sensitive information like it's just like a fun fucking fact like it's like mm-hmm. it's that and those are the ones that are being submitted by people who are like oh yeah i saw this is ha 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 like great or if it's someone who's everyone fucking hates then people will all send like legitimate people and sources will all send their experiences with said person. Like that's mm-hmm. why when Harvey Weinstein shit came out, like everybody had like, or Army Hammer, like all these people had stories and it's because like, oh, now I will be protected in being able to tell this and this is not, I'm not going to become, no one's going to come after me for for saying any of this. But like yeah. a lot of the shit, I'm like, no, this is just not real. I do not like. Huh. Well, you're not wrong. I think that it's ridiculous. Thank you. Mine is is serious. And I just want to give like a trigger warning for sexual violence. But it's not specifically about that. This is something that I did not come up with. But I saw someone named Kate Campbell post about it. And I thought it was interesting and something we should talk about. And my friend Bertha actually posted it, reposted it. And then I found more information from that. And so, like I said, the creator's name is Kate Campbell. Their name on TikTok is In Your Company. And she brought up that we track violence in this, com- in this country by, blame- by essentially blaming victims instead of putting the-, the blame on the perpetrators. And so, for example, we say one out of four women have experienced sexual violence, which is a fact from National Coalition Against domestic violence instead of saying, and I can't exactly quote this because there's no data behind it, but one in three men have committed sexual assault. And so it's like I said, it's all victim-based instead of predator-based. And Kate said, this is how you gaslight victims because it allows others to say that there's no proof to what causes the problem. So there's only proof that the problem exists, which is Again, pointing the finger at the victim and not the perpetrator. I just find this bonkers that I never even thought of it in that way. And it just brought so much light to it's all about blaming the victim, blaming the people that don't have power in the situation. 
But again, as we've said time and time again, the system is working how it's designed to work. Ignoring the problem means that you don't actually have to state that there is a problem. And then someone else in the comments brought up that this is why for so long, like enslaved people were being called slaves instead of enslaved people. They were enslaved by other people instead of putting a number on what percentage of people owns enslaved people. So I just thought that was interesting and thought, you know, that would be something for us to discuss. I think it's so interesting. This I came across someone talking about this probably last year, like a year and a half ago. And I had the same. I literally I think I said out loud, I was like, whoa, like, holy fuck. And I was with Mots and he was like, what? And I was like, the phrasing of this, I was like, listen to like, you know, one in what was it? Is it one in four women? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like one in four yeah. women have experienced sexual assault. Flipping it over, one in four men have committed sexual uh, assault. And then we just like sat there for a minute. And I was like, are you thinking about like men that you know? And he was like, yeah, I'm just like thinking if I got all of the guys that I know together in a room, like statistically, Mm-hmm. that's really f- scary. Like, and he's like, mm-hmm. and I don't think about that. And he's like, and that's like a privilege in myself of like, you know, being a man that like, I don't think about like, I wonder if one of my guy friends has physically and sexually assaulted a woman. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, as women, I worry about my friends all the time. Like right. I worry about them being attacked all the time. And when when you put it like that, like to me, I'm like, not only is that helpful for the world and statistics and data but like even just watching a man's reaction to that recognizing Mm -hmm. that it's like oh like that's actually helpful for men holding other men accountable i don't know any women who think about sexual violence and physical violence against them as the the boogeyman or anything like it's every single person every single man that i meet as opposed to a possible threat but men don't see that i mean yeah like walking down the street you know, or a little bit more careful getting onto an elevator with a man or a little bit more careful. But like, yeah, if you flip the statistics, it's like, that is so scary. But we don't yeah. have the actual data. But and, and I think it would help men hold other men accountable because it's like, oh, there's a lot of us that I need to be work. I need to be cautious about that. It's like, just because I've personally vetted someone doesn't mean that they're safe because statistically I can't do that like there's just Mm -hmm. when there are that many men in a room like that's just how it fucking works yeah and I and I also want to say you know the data might exist but in the hour that I spent researching I couldn't find it and the fact that I couldn't find if the fact that it's not top of google search is actually pretty repulsive yeah no like even if you hadn't said it was one in four women like that would have been that's kind of ingrained in my memory. Yeah. Like I'm confirming mm-hmm. that number with you and like you had already said it, but like it's something that you just you just know because people say it. Yeah, it's a fucking trade. It's like a, it's a tagline. It's a slogan. It's uh, it's on mm-hmm. signs. It's on so you'll see it at protests. It's all of these things that, yeah, center the, the victim. And in so many ways, nothing about sexual assault in the justice system is victim forward except this and except the mm-hmm. bad things. There's victim blaming, but there's never like justice redemption or just acknowledging that there's a problem like, yeah, or anything in in trying to avoid any additional victims. Mm -hmm. The only prevention from victims is blaming victims for becoming victims. 
So, yeah. So, obviously, you're not wrong. Clearly. <laughs> so, should we take a break? Let's do it. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. In our live stream, our listeners are always recommending and talking about books. So we're so excited about Book of the Month because this is something that our listeners are going to love. This is a brand that I've been familiar with for a, a long time. I like love watching people talk about it. I love seeing what books people are reading and like what books they have available. And I, I, I love I love everything about it. So I'm so excited uh, for someone who like... <laughs> you know, the ease of getting into a book, a lot of it can feel like really daunting. So to have like a service where it's like, you're going to get like high quality hardcover books, which that's my preferred way to read at incredible prices, but also curated. So it's like amazing, cool, wonderful, great. This is, it's kind of like a, a straight shot into that and something that book of the month 
you can do over and over and over again. And one of the great things about it is the longer you are part of the program, the cheaper the books get. Book of the Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and promote the work of emerging authors. One of the amazing things about Book of the Month is that every aspect of Book of the Month experience is designed to be fun and special for readers. First of all, the books come in a bright blue box, which is very pretty. Me and Megan were just talking about them. There's also a fun app to pick your books and track reading progress. And as well, there are reading challenges and rewards. And Book of the Month makes it really easy to decide what book to read next, which for me is like the biggest hurdle. I love when other people make choices for me, especially when they're good choices. And I'm like, cool, I can trust you. So each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles and they pick some of the best new books for you to choose from. All of the books are so good. You can't go wrong. And I mean that wholeheartedly. When we were picking like our selects for this, I was like, wait, this I like all of them this is hard and I literally coordinated with Melissa and I was like okay so these are like my top ones I'm assuming they will be yours so don't pick the same one as me so then we can swap afterwards and that's what we did so we got the Ministry of Time by Killian Bradley and we also received the return of Ellie Black by Emiko Jean the Ministry of Time is like people are calling it like if you're a fan of Outlander and like spy novels or time traveling books it's quoted from town and country saying it's really innovative fun storytelling the ministry of time is definitely for you and listed as 45 of the must read books for spring 2024 and then harper's bazaar also said part time travel romance part spy thriller and 100 percent multifaceted joyride <gasps> when i tell you that i was like sold we're also excited about the return of ellie black and this one is about a missing girl who returns but that isn't the end of the story it's only beginning. We both like a, a, a detective book. This one is uh, 20 years since detective Chelsea Calhoun's sister vanishes. Ever since Chelsea has been searching for signs for closure for other missing girls. But happy endings are rare in Chelsea's line of work, which that sounds so intriguing. And I'm looking forward to reading this novel so much. Can't wait. And we're so excited to usher in this new sponsor. And we know y'all are already going to love this. Plus, we've been recommended this so many times. Mm -hmm. So I, I we, we've already got fans in you. Try the service yourself at bookofthemonth.com. And you can get your first book for $5 with code PEDALS. That is your first book, $5 at bookofthemonth.com using code PEDALS. back from our break and we're getting to our second segment which is but are you wrong and what happens in this segment melissa this is when y'all write into but am i wrong pod at gmail.com and send us a situation that you might have been wrong in keep it to 300 words or less and if it's not we'll send it back and say try again and then we read it out loud and here we go go megan Go, Megan, go, Megan, go. Hi, Eminem. This has to do with myself, 19, she, her, and my brother, Jack, 18, he, him, and his girlfriend, Lucy, 18, she, her. Long story short, Lucy got kicked out when her parents found out she was dating Jack and they wouldn't take her back in when she couldn't support herself anymore. So she went across the country to live with her grandma. Lucy and I never really spoke unless she was at dinner with us. This week, I started noticing that she was mirroring my notes on Instagram, kinda. I posted, Red Bull gives you wings, and after her notes all being on a whole other topic that day, she changed it to, I like wings, after I posted mine. 
Next day, a similar thing happened. I thought I was overthinking it, but my friends thought the same thing. Last night, I posted queen of procrastination and I woke up to her note being girl, please, more like the queen of starting arguments. (laughs) I was so shocked because at this point, she's being shady to me. There's been a lot of tension between Jack and I lately, which is a whole other thing. And I'm sure he rants to her about it as I do with my friends. But I feel like it's out of line for her to say anything, especially on social media. Am I wrong for thinking she's completely out of line? She has a history of just disrespecting our family as a whole, but this is the most direct it's ever been. And I want to know if I'm wrong for thinking this is inappropriate. It's direct, but not. (laughs) It's like incredibly direct. (laughs) I don't think she's out of line because I don't know what the line is. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think like... We don't know what she's complaining to. You don't know what Jack is complaining to her about. Well, the line is also like incredibly subjective. Like to me, if like if you're out of line, that's because there's like a set of rules and regulations in place. Like I think you can be out of line at work. Like I think you can be out of line when you're doing an interview, you're on the record. I think you can be out of line when you're in school and or you're in a relationship with like established boundaries. But even then out of line to me, and this might just be a me thing, like out of line to me, that kind of phrasing of it involves like, so what are the repercussions? Like, what are you going to, you can't do anything. Like, it's just like, okay, like, sure, that was out of line. But then what? How are you How she, are you going to tell her to get in line? Like, clean up your act? Like, it's just subjective. But I'm like fine with petty social media shit because no one knows that she's like being shady to you except the people who you've also told about this like you know what I mean like she's not like if she was tagging you directly and she was posting things like saying your name to me I'd be like okay let's not but she's not like she you want to be shady and passive aggressive and kind of like not serious about it I I think that at that point that's the only means of way that you have like you can feel like you can communicate something or you can be really snarky about it like that has nothing to do with me I'm like okay keep doing your little Instagram notes. And then I'd probably just say something funny, like have like explosive diarrhea and then like see what she says. (laughs) See, do I think she's wrong? Yeah, I think she's being childish and immature. Not necessarily wrong, but is she being annoying? Yes. But she's thinking about you and she's basically just waiting for you to post something. So then you can post and so then she can have her own post. She doesn't have like original thought. So what I would do if I were in this situation is that I would just keep it going. Let her post her little thing and says, what was the last thing she said? More like queen of arguments. And then I was, and I would say more like emperor of minding my own damn business and just like build on it every every time you post every time you see a post just do it again until she finally like says something or stops doing it but like I don't I don't think it's that serious no I don't think it's that serious either I think the issue is that you are all really close in age so that makes it a little bit it feels more like peer on peer thing like Mm -hmm. and I don't know what she's done or why you like don't like her. But the idea that like getting kicked out of your house because you're dating someone and then you move across the country at like 18 years old, like that's really hard. And Mm -hmm. if she's disrespecting your family, to me, I'm like, it seems like she had the ultimate disrespect from her own family and she probably didn't have a great system growing up. And this is an opportunity for, yeah, she might be retaliating. She might be 
being snarky and like not super pleasant to be around. But that's like because that's what she knows. Yeah, it might be like her your brother is uh, other than like her grandmother is like her own actual stability. So when he is hurting or angry at you about something, she is too. I would if it was me in that situation, but I'm also older and maybe having coming it from a personal place. But like I would yeah, I would probably like work on befriending her and like trying to have a good relationship with her knowing that she was failed by so many people in her life. So even if this relationship doesn't work out with your brother and her, that she still can feel like she can count on you as, you know, trying to make it as much of a family as possible, even if you're beefing with your brother and, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. 18, 19 year old me would have handled this a lot differently than current Same, me. without a doubt. Current me would have just blocked her. <laughs> like, yeah. That would have been the end of it. I think both versions of me would have changed it to something like explosive diarrhea, like peeing out my asshole and then having like, just see what she would say. <laughs> and then it, it'd be funny. All right. Next one. Hi, Eminem. I'm 24. She, her. I'm writing to ask if I would be wrong for blocking my ex-best friend, Sadie, 23, she, her. Sadie and I have been BFF since we were eight. However, three years ago, we had a communication error that resulted in a sudden end to our friendship. In the past two years, we've been on, off again, trying to mend our friendship. Most recently, we're only cordial and Mason updates regarding exciting life news or pop culture. We only interact privately on social media due to Sadie living in an area where she has limited cell reception. Because of this, it's even more apparent to me when she's ignoring my messages for multiple weeks, although I can see her actively engaging with others. While I do understand that our relationship has altered, I do unfortunately feel envious and sad when I see this or when Sadie posts about her new bestie. I usually wouldn't think twice about it, but blocking ghosting were actions that I used manipulatively in the past. My worry is that if she were to notice, she would take major offense and think me the same person as I was. I do care about her opinion of me, which is maybe stemming from a secret, unrealistic hope that we will one day be close again. Still, I hold no malice toward her anymore. I truly wish her the best in life, even if I'm not included in it. It's just clear to me that despite time passing, I may never get over our friendship. I'm genuinely embarrassed by these continued feelings of grief and envy, of grief and envy from her social media posts. Limiting my exposure to her is the only recourse I can think of. Would I be wrong to block her unprompted? I don't think so because I think that this is more like a mental health thing for you. Like blocking her would be better for you because then you don't feel that envy and dread and hurt that you felt. I understand you not wanting to come off like, like you're ghosting her that you haven't grown in the past, but she's not being reciprocal of your friendship in the same way that you are with her. She's not, answering you she's not responding you see that she's doing other things i mean i'm not the best at responding i know megan's not either but we what? still talk to each other what are you talking about but i just don't think you'd be wrong maybe have a conversation with her first if you are concerned and you still have hope that y'all are going to be friends but say hey i would still like to be friends with you 
um, what you're doing is hurting me. And I, you know, I apologize and you forgive me for things that I've done in the past. Is there something going on in your life that you can't, can't be like set boundaries for what your current relationship is? Because friendships change. There are some friends that I don't talk to all the time. And even like one of my ex-best friends, like we're still cordial with each other, but we're not answering each other's messages all the time, mainly because she likes to gossip about stuff and I'm just over it. And I've grown up and I feel like she hasn't. And so just like figuring out where your friendship is right now and not what it used to be or what it could be have that conversation and understand. And if I wouldn't be saying this, if you were still like, if you weren't still holding out hope, but since you are, then, you know, blocking could be just the complete end of your relationship. And I don't know if that's exactly what you want. I agree. And like that, I I think that you should have a conversation because this, I don't think this is going to accomplish what you want because what you want is your relationship to go back to how it was and you're feeling like envy and jealous and you're using blocking. You're saying, I don't want her to think that I'm using blocking in the same way, but I think you are. And there's a difference between blocking and muting and blocking is that she knows that you're not seeing her stuff. And like muting means that like, you're not going to go see her stuff, but I do think at this, like, I wish we knew what the communication error was because like, if you were at fault for it and like, you're like, yeah, that was like all on me. I think that the conversation is like, okay, what are the expectations of our friendship at this point? Because if it was your fault, she might not feel comfortable or or ready to be back to where you were. And that might not ever happen. And I do think it is kind of, I think it's kind of shitty to decide to end a friendship because like you fucked up and you acknowledge it and you apologize and you're upset that it can't get back to how it used to be before that. Like that's just the result of actions. Like I've been on both sides of that and like it's not, it doesn't feel good, but like it is what it is. And I think running away from it and not sitting with it and like, you know, if you still have a fine friendship and it's like, they're not the most prompt at responding, but like, are there people you're not the most prompt at responding by? Like, do you feel like you're owed something specifically because you wouldn't do that to her, but would you do that to other people? Like, but what, you have like, done it to her. That's what I mean. Like, it's the expectation of what do you expect from this friendship that's different than other friendship? So I, it's a gentle, I think you would be wrong to block her unprompted. I don't think you would like the outcome of that. I don't think it would actually help you. But I think there's nothing wrong with ending the friendship if you need to. But yeah. Okay. Hi, Megan and Melissa. I have a but. Am I wrong to submit? I have a but. So I, 29, she, her, work overseas and travel all the time for a 50 meter yacht. Okay. Recently, we were in the Bahamas and we had some time off. As a crew, oh my God, I love, you know how much I fucking love a below deck moment. (laughs) Recently, we were in the Bahamas and we had some time off. As a crew, we all went to Atlantis. Holy shit, you are literally writing like my personal fucking fanfic. Like, I Megan has spoken numerous times about wanting to go to Atlantis. No, that's like all I wanted as a child was to go to a hotel in really in general, but like the hotels with a water slide. And when I saw Atlantis, I was like, oh, I'm like, need to go. Maybe that's what I should have done for my 30th this month. So I go to Atlantis. <laughs> okay. As a crew, we all went to Atlantis and spent the evening at the casino and the nightclub. Most of the crew went home and it was just me and my superior 
32, she, her, and I left. I was tearing up on the dance floor as per usual. Love it. And she was talking to some guys. Next thing I knew, I couldn't see her. I was wandering around the club alone. And when I saw some of the guys she was talking with, they all said that she had gone home with their friend. She didn't even bother telling me or texting me that she left or that she was going or anything. Just poof, left. I'm annoyed at her for leaving me alone in a club in a foreign country. And I feel disrespected that I'm so low on her radar. She says I'm overreacting that I need to get over it. Am I wrong for being annoyed and hurt or am I being overly sensitive? Okay, thanks. Love the podcast. Have been listening since the beginning. I don't think you're wrong at all. Like, I also don't think that like if she was inebriated and it was a lapse in judgment, like I don't think that makes her like a bad or evil person who like was maliciously doing something and like wishing ill will on you. I think a lot of people have been there where a lot of the times like people who are like, I'm not fucking leaving without telling someone are the people who have been left before. Like, and some people are very lucky that they've never been in that position. So it doesn't cross their mind. And it should. That to me is luck and privilege that you don't even think like safety wise, I should be doing this. So I don't think that that's malicious that she did. But I think that she was wrong for doing that. And I think she's wrong for doubling down and saying that like, you're overreacting, you need to get over it. And you're just being sensitive. Like, that's wrong to me. Yeah. In my my clubbing days, no matter how, (laughs) even in my drunkest of times in my horniest of times I never left without my friends knowing yeah it might have been just like she was so into it or she was so out of it that she didn't realize what she was doing was wrong but then the fact after when she's saying that you made a big deal of it that's what bothers me me too because it you not only concerned about your safety but her safety as well and you didn't know where she was So I would be very upset about this. And I don't think you're wrong at all. Yeah, because that's like, it it is really the twofold of that. It's like, for her safety, like you should know where she's going. If you have each other's locations on your phones, uh, you've got the name. Take Like I remember like college, like, you know, taking a picture of the person's ID that you're going home with. Like just, just so you know, just taking it. So like, there's just some, something there so they can you know, like just, just for you, like peace of mind as well. So like, you know, for me, if I, if I'm thinking about my laundry, I can't orgasm, but like, if people don't know where I am, I'm probably a little bit, I, you know, I want to be free of mind, peace of mind so I can have a great time. But then also, even if she felt incredibly safe in her own situation, you being left alone there as one of the only other girls, like that's, that's also not safe. And then when you're looking for someone, you can end up putting yourself in not super safe situations because the adrenaline's pumping. You're like rushing. Like I've like gone into fucking alleys and shit that I'm like, I'm not going to go do that if I'm not looking. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm then putting myself in situations that might not be the safest because I'm trying to find you. So I think that that's, it's inconsiderate. I don't think it's malicious, but I think her, I agree. I think the response is um, the biggest issue. And I probably mm-hmm. would not have this person be my going out buddy. Anymore. No, 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 no. You got to have somebody that's that's more responsible than this. Yeah. All right. My turn. Hi, Megan and Melissa. I need to know if I was wrong in this conversation I had with my boyfriend of three years, both 22. I went to lunch with a good friend of mine that recently broke up with her boyfriend of four years because of many reasons, but mainly because she wasn't in love with him anymore. She loved him and still cares about him, but didn't want to stay with him because she had the is this it realization. 
He said that it's normal to not be in love anymore after a year. I said that I'm still very much in love with him now, maybe even more than three years ago. And I asked, do you not feel this way? A question I now regret very much. He said he loves me very much, but not in love with me anymore. I don't know why I just assumed he would feel the same way as me. We talked about it a little more, but I'm pretty upset about it. I know he loves me very much and our relationship is stronger than ever. We're even talking about moving in together. So this whole conversation just seems useless. This is my first relationship. He had two relationships before this one. I'm very much the sensitive feelings person in the relationship. And he is more rational and shows less emotion. So maybe that has something to do with it. Is he wrong for thinking it's normal not to be in love anymore after some time? Or do I just have a very skewed idea about how people feel in relationships? I need you guys' big sister opinions. Love you both so much. The podcast just lights up my life. I don't know if I would say it's messed up. I just think that people have different relations, different definitions of what love long-term love is and I'm sorry that you're going through this but some people are just comfortable being with somebody that they do truly love but they're not falling more in love with them every day I'm not I'm not that type of person I like I feel like in a relationship like there's still there's always still something new that you can learn about the other person and it's like in like for me, love is not just like something that just is like a noun. It's a verb. It's an actual feeling. It's actions. It's not just going through the motions of things. And I, it, it kind of feels like like he does love you, but he just isn't falling more in love with you. Is he wrong? Not necessarily because he was telling you the truth and would you have well I guess you would prefer to not have known what you said but like are you wrong for your feelings either no I'm just I'm sorry yeah I'm really sorry this would devastate me I agree with you like Melissa like I don't think love is a destination mm -hmm. and you know him like writer like you know him so like you said that yeah you're more feelingsy he's a little bit more rational I would really look at this like big picture because a lot of people, like you said, have different definitions of love. And to me, it sounds like what he's describing is lust and versus love. And mm. he's using that as a euphemism of in love or like loving someone because like being in love to some people, he might think of that as like the courting phase or the lust phase or the chasing phase and like trying to like get all of this and like that kind of rush and the first date and the jitters and the butterflies and the nerves, but that does go away. Like that's, that becomes like comfortable and there's nothing wrong with comfortable and secure. And for some people falling in love, that's, that's a time, it's a time frame. Like that's just like the small, like that's like a, okay, I fell in love and then you're falling more in love. And like, that's not a, sudden drop that's not like a, a roller coaster with a big dip like that's just like a steady pace throughout the rest of your life and it can feel really different to a lot of people and so he might know that he loves you but not even realize that he is loving you more every single day but the action of wanting to be together that is that that is it so I think the question I would ask him is like 
what did you envision? And this again, I would go into prepared for the answer, but I would ask like, what did you envision your like life and relationships? Like, is this what you envisioned? Because if he was like, oh, this is always what I've wanted. Then I'm like, okay, so we have different definitions of like what that means. Like if this is what you saw as like your goal and this isn't, because I think for you, it feels like he's settling but I don't know that he feels like he's settling. I think that like, this might be, this might be it for him. Like this might be like what it it is and this is it. And so I think it's hard when, when someone is like using the terms kind of like rational. Some people are very literal. I can fall into that category sometimes that like, I will take what people say very literally and it can be having be a euphemism for something or it can be kind of more of a throwaway comment, but like I will stick on it. I, I would really kind of clarify that because we all have different ways of this. And I don't know what his upbringing was or what his like family situation was or what his other relationships were like. There's something different about long-term relationships. And then I would also probably take inventory of your own life. Are you like watching Love Island? Are you watching people fall in love? Like, are your friends going on first dates? Are you hearing about all that like butterfly and excitement thing? And you're feeling insecure about the comfortability of a relationship. And like, that's also very normal. Like I'll watch Love Island. I'm like, oh, I'll never have that again. And like, there's, I don't want that more than what I have. I want what I have more, but I will not have that feeling. I will, and like, and, and Mots and I will never be back. Like we will, I will never experience our first dates again. Like I won't have that anymore. And like, I can miss and romanticize something that happened in my own life with the person that I ended up that, that I'm, that I picked that who we're going to end up together. So I do want to say that this is a communication error. And I think even you saying that you wish you hadn't asked makes me, you also think it's a communication error, but just because it's a communication error doesn't mean that you can't ask for more clarity. Like there are times where like Mats has said something or I have said something to him that was so not the fucking intention or not what I meant to say at all or how it was interpreted. But it's not on me to just be like, oh, like, yeah, that's not what I meant. Get over it. It's like, no, like that's those feelings, even if that was not my goal, like that was the result of this. And so like those feelings are what we have to tackle, not what I said. Like that's irrelevant. Like it's addressing the feelings there. So I would I would keep on that until you do feel comfortable or you decide that there's like a decision that you want to make. But to me, this just seems like a really shitty communication error and with a casualty of your feelings. And I would convey that to him. Yeah. And I wouldn't compare it to how you feel. I would ask him more questions about like, like him to describe this for him because it is a little bit more unique how he's talking. And I don't think it's fair to compare it to yours because he's always going to fail by your own rubric. And it's not about the wording. It's about the, the feeling behind it. Yeah, because I, I think I, the first time that I realized that people kind of have different definitions of what like love is was when I was like 14 and we were doing this project for English class and we were paired up with people in our other in another English class. And my te- and what the other teacher was talking about how like it, we're reading something and they were comparing it to like how like they love their husband so much and you know, they don't have, they don't have like that, that same, like being in love with you feeling, but that's who that she wanted to be with for the rest of her life. Like that was it for her. And that's all she ever wanted. And then my English teacher who um, have been married to her husband for 50 years, and he also was a teacher at the school. And she was like, 
that's so different for me because literally I walked into the break room and I saw my husband and I still got butterflies in my stomach. And so, you know, people just experience things differently. Yeah. I hope this looks up and you're able to have a better understanding of each other. Mm -hmm. All right. So now it's time for another break. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. And we're back from our break, and we are going to get into our final segment. 
This is But Are They Wrong, also known as Rachel of the Week, Woat of the Week, Worst of the Week, where we nominate someone, person, place, or thing, pop culture, current events, to publicly shame them on our podcast because that's why we have a podcast. All right, you're up. I would like to nominate enemy of the podcast, someone we have talked shit on for years on and off the mic. I would like to nominate The weekend And a new nomination, who is someone we've talked shit on off the podcast for years and years and years, mm-hmm. Sam Levinson. So uh, if you're unfamiliar, Sam Levinson, you might know him from Euphoria. And if you, you also might know him from his incredibly famous father and dare I say, one of the worst Nepo babies ever that has been unleashed onto our, onto the world. So there was a piece released in Rolling Stone about this show that they are making. I feel like I've heard about it immensely, maybe just because of where we are and the industry that we're in. But if anyone hasn't heard, it's called The Idol. And it's going to be on HBO, allegedly. And the logline They are the quote-unquote sick and twisted minds behind the, again, another quote, sleaziest love story in all of Hollywood. Those are HBO's words. The storyline is follows like a pop star named Jocelyn, played by Lily Rose Depp, as she navigates the seedy underbelly of the music industry and falls under the spell of Tedros, played by The Weeknd, a mysterious owner of a popular LA nightclub who secretly secretly runs a cult reminiscent of Nexium and Scientology. So that's the premise of this. It is supposed to be a young pop star, superstar, moving to LA, doing the music industry thing and getting caught up by essentially a cult leader based on two LA industry cults that were very popular and remain popular in the entertainment industry. Like, Mm -hmm. this isn't a documentary But it could be. And I do want to note that I think the casting of Lily Rose Depp is obviously not the most egregious thing about this. But like, if you ever wanted to know, like, this is someone who grew up with Johnny Depp as a father and Marilyn Manson around her whole life. Like, you decided to pick someone who has been surrounded by the most fucked up side of Hollywood for her entire life to play a role of someone going through that exact same thing. like. Okay, for sure. So there was this article in Rolling Stone where basically a good chunk of people who worked on the production of the show came forward privately, anonymously, and talked about the actual filming of this show. So they don't even know what the final version is going to be like at all. Like it was, there was reshoots, the delays, rewrites, and one of the um, people on the crew was quoted saying it was, it was, let's just say, a shit show. And as someone who knows things about other Sam Levinson projects, that has also been the word that has been described to, mm-hmm. you know, convey other sets of theirs. So last April, the director of The Idol was originally Amy Simitz, and she had done The Girlfriend Experience and She Dies Tomorrow. So she suddenly exited with roughly 80% of the six-episode series finished. And HBO did somewhat address the news saying that they were having a major creative overhaul and then would be adjusting the cast and crew. Not really much of an explanation. And this is pretty rare. Like they will recast someone if you do a pilot and they will 
have someone who's playing a role in the pilot and they just don't test that well or there's a conflict or something like that. Powerpuff Girls is the only thing recently that I know of that has been scrapped. And that's just actors. And then they're like reworking all of this. Like a lot of the time people do not invest that much money and then be like, I'm going to dip 80% of the way. I haven't heard of that. If it's, I've heard of writers and then someone comes on and does rewrites or they shoot more and they do edits, but like walking out from that as like a woman in film, like you just have to know that has to be so bad. So, uh, Abel, the weekend was the co-creator and his statement on this, um, or his reasoning for why she left was the show. He felt the show was heading too much into a female perspective. So, uh, the Rolling Stone did interviews with 13 cast and crew, and they did learn that the insane delay was caused by Levinson, who took over and scrapped basically the entire thing. It was nearly finished, $54 million to $75 million project. And he rewrote and reshot the entire thing. So, you know, he does what he does. He weakens the entire show's overall message. And based on what sources say, he has dialing up all of the disturbing sexual content and nudity. Uh, many sources say that by dialing up the disturbing sexual content and nudity to match and to even surpass that of his most successful show, Euphoria. So if anyone thought that there was way too many people playing underage high schoolers having graphic violent sex and immense amounts of unnecessary nudity, it's worse than this. A production member quoted saying, what I signed up for was a dark satire of fame and the fame model in the 21st century. The things that we subject our talent and stars to, the forces that put people in the spotlight and how that can be manipulated in the post-Trump world. However, they add, it was went from satire to the thing it was satirizing. Sam Levinson famously doesn't write concrete scripts. He encourages actors to write their own lines and improv entire scenes. And I can't tell you, first of all, how lazy that is, how that is not an actor's job, how it is exciting and fun sometimes when you're doing a comedy or even a drama, if if a director or a writer asks you if you want to ad lib a couple lines, but it is not your job to write what you are doing, then you have a whole other hat there that you're just trying to do one of your jobs But it is especially incredibly fucked up when it is scenes about sexual assault and abuse that you're telling people to improvise and you're not writing scripts, go for it. Who has the power in that fucking situation? Who knows when you're supposed to yell cut? Who knows when this is going to stop? Who's drawing the line in the sand here? So you're asking someone to be like, oh yeah, this is not a concrete script. Come up with something in your mind of how you're going to abuse her and then do it and we'll film it. And then you're asking them to have a normal relationship with each other as castmates when you're like, cool. So this person came up with this idea in their fucking head of how they're going to hurt me. No, he literally like scrapped the entire approach, the original approach to the story and making it way less about a troubled starlet falling victim to this predatory industry and music and the sleaze of these Hollywood cults and abuse and how people are taken advantage of. And in that original version, it's about like her reclaiming her agency and fighting against these these things and depicting it in an accurate way of like, this is the shit that happens and it doesn't have to happen and people can have lives passes and grow through all of this stuff. Instead, just makes it like an incredibly fucked up toxic love story where like the crew members are describing it as just being incredibly offensive. And instead of it being 
look who she came look who she became and the circumstances that she had to go through to get there and instead becomes look how hot this these circumstances are like this is hot this is sexy this is love this is like we love this shit and Another production member was quoted saying, it was like any rape fantasy that any toxic man would have in the show. And then the woman comes back for more because it makes her music better. So both Abel and Levinson did not respond to the Rolling Stones uh, request for comment after they published this story. However, Abel, The Weeknd, did post a clip of the show onto his Twitter account with the caption, Rolling Stone, did we upset you? And in the clip, I encourage everyone to watch it because... <laughs> There's also low-key a reason why Sam Levinson doesn't write his own scripts, really. And I think if you watch it, you will be able to tell. And this is what I have to say. Some of those fucking kids on Euphoria, I cannot wait to watch them in other shit because I'm like, if you are able to deliver a good performance in these circumstances, how fucking incredibly talented are you going to be when you have a circumstance that lets you just act? Like, <laughs> like that puts you in a safe place. Like, amazing it's just so bad like the weekend acting gives me like the similar vibes like youtubers doing boxing matches like it's just like mm, i and he's like basically playing himself and lily rose depp is like basically playing herself and that it just is so gross and icky and uncomfy and the scene itself is so it's so so bad and so poorly done and it's just it's just not good it's just it's just not good and i do think it is ironic and should be noted that both lily rose depp and abel the weekend have done rolling stone covers and the senior rolling stone writer Brittany spanos tweeted mind you the weekend soft launched his pivot to acting in a rolling stone cover story hmm. and in the clip they're talking shit on rolling stone like in the show and i'm like so did you already start by doing this? Or like, did you be like, okay, pick up production like right now, like everybody like smudge your eyeliner, throw on a chunky heel, get some like red tinted sunglasses and like, let's shoot the, let's shoot a clap back. And it's like, do you not know what people are talking? Like these crew members are talking about how this is like a rape fantasy TV show and it's incredibly offensive and toxic and they were uncomfortable and didn't feel safe about the actors doing these things. And it was these are things you're being accused of in your responses to be like, oh, oh, you're lame. Like, we think you're stupid. And it's like, that's really not how you quiet those rumors. Yeah. When I first heard that these two were going to be working together, I already knew it was going to be bad. I immediately Nightmare sent it to you. <laughs> I yeah, I sent it to you. And I was like, these two, these two. And nothing that has come out about this show is surprising because I knew who was behind it. Yep. And, you know, we've said things about both of these people on and off air, but mostly off air. And now the things that we've talked about off air are coming to light. And I just want more people to just realize that these are not good people. No. And this is not this is not a show that anybody should be watching or standing behind. And hopefully HBO doesn't think that, you know, all press is good press, even bad press, and they don't cut it from the schedule. Well, because my question was, maybe it was actually like a showtime. The show about like it was like the 70s kind of like not a porno show, but it was like something like a racy magazine that was based on, I think it was Lily Kaplan or the one who looks exactly fucking like her that I 
always think is Lizzie Kaplan. But they were like the first show to have intimacy coordinators. I want to say it might have been Showtime, not HBO. It feels like that would be a Showtime thing, but I don't know. Yeah, but like, so Showtime and HBO have been, I don't want to say neck and neck popularity wise, but like content wise, like you would know something's going to be a little more explicit. It's going to be on Showtime or HBO. And the fact that like, you know, one show started and pioneered this protecting actors and their safety and consent and making sure those lines aren't blurred because they are all the fucking time on shows and movies. And then the other, it's not taking a, like a leaf out of that, uh, that book. Like, it's just like, are you talking about masters of sex? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Showtime. Showtime. Yeah. So like the idea mm-hmm. that like they really did pioneer the requirement of an intimacy coordinator and all of that. And their shows have not gotten less sexy. They've gotten, they're sexy and there's, there's nudity, they're racy, but they're safer. And Mm -hmm. the fact that that has not been implemented in that way, like you should never be. And like, there are some claims from like people who've uh, worked on euphoria and I can't corroborate those claims, but I can say that I've had that exact same experience, but not on obviously on that show where you're having to get into a room with all of these like middle-aged like men and pitch why you shouldn't have to show parts of your body and like you try and convince them and you upsell them why they should write out this nudity scene or write out this incredibly sexy or racy scene and they're like okay convince me why and that's been speculated a lot that that was how actors in euphoria were and then think about how much nudity is still there and that's after they did a lot of negotiating to not have it there and yeah and it's and i don't fault zendaya for any of that like obviously but there is when you are that famous you can have a no nudity clause in your contract and you will still book the job and then it is the responsibility of the other female cast members to make up for that nudity. And I know that because I've literally had someone tell me that before, that someone else had a nudity clause and I didn't. And so I had to make up for it. And I was like, oh, that's fucked. (laughs) And like, it was never nearly as graphic as what they're doing. And Mm -hmm. I felt a lot safer, but still that's, I didn't feel a hundred percent safe and I felt uncomfortable. And I felt like the people looking out for me weren't the people who were supposed to be looking out for me. Like I had people looking out for me, but it wasn't their responsibility. They were taking it on, but that wasn't... It It wasn't above the line people. No. So I'm not shocked. And I do think if this does come out, I don't think anyone should watch it. Like I I, I just think that like the tanking the numbers is the best way to reflect that like this is not what we want to see. Yep. All right. So here's mine. It's fucked up as well. So principal slash coach Philip Coons of Ringling, Oklahoma, and he's worked there since 2018, is my pick of the week, Rachel of the week. So on February 22nd, he was put on paid administrative leave with an ongoing criminal investigation. Multiple students and parents were interviewed, including Susan Lyle, who... She went before the school board on February 13th to voice her concerns about this dude to the board. And the and this was like 
a meeting where they were voting on if he should keep his job. And they unanimously voted for this man to keep his job. Despite allegations, it was five to zero to renew his contract. And so you're probably wondering what this man did. So he has, according to Susan Lyle, the parents wanted to have their issues heard at the school board meeting in hopes that the school board would handle it. And when they didn't, they went to the OSBI, which is the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation. And another man said this man's abuse of power reeks of psychological torture of these students for two years. My son has begged us to stay quiet for fear of retaliation, especially after having to do naked up downs. So up downs, in case you don't know, they're also known as burpees where a person jumps up and then jumps down into a push up before doing a jumping jack. And he was making these students, these boys, as a form of punishment to do their exercises naked. Is he a PE teacher as well? He's a coach. He's a football For, coach. Okay. And the principal. And one of the uh, student athletes said they were made to exercise naked as punishment. And quote, we did so many that day. It went to the extent that some of the guys were talking about having turf burn on their genitals the next day. Oh. And then Cameron Sp um, Spradling, an, an attorney representing the victim, shared a statement on Tuesday on Twitter from this Oklahoma State Conference NAACP, which called for an investigation into the abuse claims. The NAACP chapter stated its intentions to file an administrative complaint with the U.S. Department of Education Office of Civil Rights. In the statement, the NAACP cited allegations from students saying Kuhn used racial slurs about players and referees and made monkey noises. The Ringling State district, the Ringling School District also failed to enforce and ensure that the students did not experience a hostile environment because of their race, sex, or gender identity. There is a group of current and former students who have firsthand experience with the harmful consequences of the hostile environment that are detailed in the report. And some of the students have said that they just felt numb to it. It became so normalized with us because of how often it happened, the verbal abuse and the constant cussing. And surprise, this isn't the first time that Coons has been accused of misconduct. He worked at another school before being hired at Ringling called Clinton, following incidents with players where he took out his penis on a bus and said, boys, this is a dick. You got to have one of these to play football. And this was in 2016, before he was even hired at the school and there was an investigation done. And this investigation with the Oklahoma Council of Public Affairs said that they couldn't find any wrongdoings, even though several students said that he did this. So he also said to them, and this is, I just want to say like, this is why you should read multiple sources because I, this is like six different sources and none of them had all the same information. I pulled yeah. from six, six different sources. Also, he pulled out his penis on another occasion and said, this is what a real man looks like. And one of the students said he wanted to commit suicide after the harassment. So, Okay, I don't want this to sound like a fucked up question. So I'm going to preface it with why I'm asking it first. I mean, I've said this before and 
I just, I don't know why anyone would be a, like principals have power trips. Like there's just, and I think this is someone who like, I've had fucking mad beef with principals that I had growing up. And then I also have people in my life who work in school systems who deal with those principals and they mm-hmm. do a lot of fucked up shit. Like it's, it's truly like a power, a power position where you can just be an asshole for like no r- reason. But principals are, are definitely protected, but coaches are protected even more. And yeah. specifically football coaches are mm-hmm. so widely protected because schools get funding and all of that. Are they ranked pretty high, like athletic wise? I don't know, but I can look it up. Because that's something that like, that would make, I mean, none of this obviously makes sense to me. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if they weren't and they still hired him because they're like, well, he's available. <laughs> it's like, well, let's see why he's available. Yeah, they are. They're yeah. uh, 13 and one and then seven district. So yeah, yeah. The first it adds a whole rank. other psychological aspect to like the kids experiencing this abuse because they're depending on what the funding is like and where they grow up. Like football is, you'll, you, I mean, you see a lot of abuse in every sport, but like football is a sport where like kids are taken out of poverty. Like, and if you're good, you're going to go to, you're going to full ride to fucking college. You might not be able to go to college. Otherwise you're going to play, mm-hmm. like you're going to change your fucking life based on your skill set and based on how you do in your school sanctioned high school fucking football. Like, so like there is that power there. So not only is it like, Oh, do I hold all of this power as being like your principal and being your coach and all of that. But it's like, I also hold your future. Right. I wish we didn't have to do this, but I, I wish that like we operated on constantly calculating power imbalances and looking at positions where people hold a lot of power and then being like, oh yeah, we need to be doing inventory and constantly aware. Like, no, not everybody's going to be treated equal here when you have this much power and e- you're monopolizing power in that sense. And it's like, okay, no, you've got too much power here. And we also need to be able to keep checking back in with, with people like that. Like, Mm-hmm. this shouldn't happen to obviously this shouldn't happen to anyone and it shouldn't happen to kids and it shouldn't happen to kids who are the, their schools are benefiting from them using their bodies in football and then the people who are telling them how to use their bodies in football are also abusing their mm-hmm. bodies yeah and then when parents complain they're like well whatever still voted yeah. to keep him in they had to ratchet this up to the NAACP yeah this is <sighs> fuck. it's just disgusting and i also i want to commend the the student athletes that were able to step up but like and and show their faces on the news but also i know that they're facing repercussions but also those that couldn't speak you know like they like i said there were some of them that feel suicidal and this is sickening for them and they have a lot riding on them like if they see this as their, like you were saying before, their ticket to college. That's just really, really sad. Absolutely fucked. Wow. That's awful. Well, thank y'all for listening. Tomorrow, there won't be a vote for Fisting Friday, but, you know, still tune in because we didn't have an episode the week before, but still tune in. We'll be gabbing away, but, you know, We'll be back with votes next week for this episode. If you leave a review, we would love that on the podcast app, wherever you listen to podcasts, support the Patreon. You can always tag us in things on our personal TikToks or on Twitter, Instagram that you want us to cover on the show or send slide into our DMs. It also doesn't have to be a nomination for like Rachel of the week, worst of the week. It can just be even a hot topic or, 
you know, anything. Plus, we talk about things on Fishing Friday episodes as well. And let us know. Yeah. Let us know. That is it. Okay, everybody. Well, circle back. Circle back. back. <laughs> Bye. Bye. But Am I Wrong is a production by me, Megan Rinks. And me, Melissa DeMonts, plus Diamond Imprint Productions. Post-production by Coco Lorenz. And production assistance by Melanie D. Watson. 